0: All right, we are back live with the Patriot Nation podcast. And tonight we are joined by one of our favorite guests. He is a uh, beat writer for The Beat Writer for Pat's Country Sports Illustrated, and of course, the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. We got a whole Locked On Pat's Pulpit crossover event uh, going on this week with him being on Sco show and Sko being on his show, and now him coming on my show. It's Mike Debate. Mike, thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it.
1: Uh, my honor, my pleasure, Pat. Always a pleasure to be on the Paulie podcast, and I uh, missed coming on. It's been a long time, but definitely glad to be back. And uh, always at the best time of year, you know, training camp. We we love it.
0: <laughs> this is it. That's it, man. Football is back, and you know the Red Sox stink, but that's okay because it's football season, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about the Red Sox anymore. So that's right. you know, it uh, it's it's good news down there. You've been enjoying you've been enjoying camp down there with everyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Patriots uh, organization hospitable as always. Uh, and uh, definitely doing a great job of hosting us. But it's great being back, seeing the guys. It's really great to see fan interaction in full swing again uh, when it comes to training camp and the players getting a chance to be able to enjoy time with the fans, signing autographs, interaction. Uh, These are the things that we haven't seen much of the last couple of years, especially in 2020 when training camp was essentially devoid of anyone other than a select few group of reporters that were allowed in. Last year was a little bit better in terms of getting a chance to see them enjoy themselves. But this year, it feels like football is back and it feels like training camp is back. And it's been a great atmosphere in Foxborough so far.
0: I couldn't agree more, man. The, The energy over there has been great. Um, and you know, like you said, I think that's the big thing is the fan interaction at the end, they able to sign autographs this year, which they weren't able to do last year. So it's really nice, uh, for the kids, you know, the kids show up and really training camp. I mean, obviously training camp, the beat writers are there and you know, us, us diehard fans get there and and sit in the stands, but it's Mm. really for the kids, you know, to, (laughs) to let the kids see the, see the players up close because you don't get a chance to be that close. This isn't the NBA where, you know, you're that close to them every day. You don't get a chance to be that close to these guys every day. And so it's a cool opportunity to be that close uh, and see them up close, and to have you know bring your little kids and like, oh my god, this guy's huge! It's it's so cool, and it's so it's really uh it's really a fun opportunity. So I'm uh I'm very grateful for it. It's very different than it was back when when it was at Bryant College. I remember walking next to Ty Law when he was a rookie, walking him to practice, uh, and he signed an autograph for me. And Bill Parcells is right there next to us, and we'd walk with them to practice. My mom, so. <laughs> My mother, oh God, love her, but my mother, she walked into Bryant, okay, to go to the bathroom. She needed to use the bathroom, so she walked into Bryant, where the, where they were staying, and she just opened a room. She just opened a door, thinking it was the bathroom, and no, it was a bunch of Patriots watching film, and they were like, uh, "Can we help you?" And she was like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm just looking for the bathroom." I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't it. And she was like, "Okay, sorry." <laughs> it's
1: like, oh my God. So, well, very definitely times have. Back then. You definitely have a kindred spirit when it comes to that, because I've got a couple of good Bryant stories for you. When the Patriots used to do camp way back in the day, um, I had a similar experience to what you just uh, uh, described. Uh, My grandfather used to take, my cousins and I, every year to go see uh, Patriots training camp. And I was at about that age, probably about maybe 14, 15 years old, where you're starting to get a little bit too cool for school at that point. You don't necessarily need the autograph that everybody wants. My cousin's got a couple of autographs right away. Guys that were, I think, cut the next week. Uh, you know, they were, they, they were not going to stick around for a long period of time. But, you know, I'm kind of biding my time. And my grandfather was very adamant that everybody, all three of his grandchildren, were going to get an autograph. So I Bill Parcells, and he says, hey, Bill, sign my grandson's football. And Bill looks at him and says, no, I can't. Got to go to work. And my grandfather started to mumble something under his breath. And I started to try to calm him down. A little bit. I was like that, you know, we don't we don't need to be thrown out of training camp, pop. Uh, but no, he was he was good. He was under his breath. But he was obviously a little bit myth that you know his grandson yeah. got rebuffed right by an autograph seeker. So you know, ball was still out there, and then all of a sudden, here comes this kid, probably not much taller than I was at the time, still not much taller because I haven't really grown since then anyway, but um you know he's wearing a you know and he's grabbing his helmet and he comes running up the line and my grandfather puts the ball out and he goes hey he goes sign my grandson's football he's like man I can't he's like you know I'm a rookie he's like the coach is going to kick my butt if I'm late and he's like oh come on two seconds we're at the end he goes here here's the pen so kid looked and he went all right he says all right I'll do it so he grabbed and he signed the autograph so I look and it's kind of a scribbled type of signature and I see number 4 so I had no idea who number four oh, was man. at the time. You know, I'm thinking I'm thinking Matt Barr is going to be the quarter, the, uh, the the kicker at the, yep point. Security guard looks at the list. He looks at the uh, the. He says, "Oh, he says, yeah, he says that's a pretty good young rookie kicker." He said they just picked him up. He's like, I think he's got a shot. And it turned out to be Adam Vinatieri. And um, nowhere to lie, I still have the football. Uh, the football is still on my wall. Never that'll never leave me. Um, and I remember watching the snow game with my dad at home and watching that game and watching adam put those two kicks through the uprights and my dad looked at me and he says that football just got a little more valuable tonight and uh it really did and to, to have that experience and to get to see adam from you know full circle from when he was a rookie uh up until the point now where i'm covering the team that i was a fan of it, it really is amazing it really is a, a full circle moment that i'll always remember my grandfather i'll always remember my dad for that um and uh yeah and and there's there's so there's always that connection and it's funny that you mentioned bryant and going in uh my mom for years uh was uh, worked in telecom in bryant and uh okay. she was the switchboard operator at the time where they were still holding tra- training camp and they hold film study in these amphitheaters and you know the the college classrooms and what not very similar to probably like what your mother walked into, thinking that she was walking into a restroom. She walked into <laughs> right. that. Um, all these players, all these players would come and they'd talk to her and they'd see her around and they'd say, "Look, you know, you're not going to get any calls done or anything. We're way too loud." And she would point out players that she saw during the day, and she'd be, like, "Oh yeah, I know him." And it'd be Willie McGinnis or it would be Ty Law or something to that effect. And my mom had no idea who these people were. But my dad and I are going crazy saying, you're talking to these people every single day. And we, you know, give our eye teeth to do that. So, um, yeah, I guess it was always inevitable uh, for us to do what we do. But, uh, you know, I guess we uh, we go way back with the team. But, uh, yeah, 20 years ago, uh, they were still, you know, at Bryant. So uh, it's it's always an interesting time. And, yes it uh, is. Still miss those days in some ways. Yeah, me too. It'd be For interesting sure. to be covering from Bryant nowadays, yeah.
0: I would imagine it'd be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably look like uh like Washington's, you know, uh like Washington's uh training camp looks like now with like 14 <laughs> yeah. people and some tumbleweeds, you know. Exactly, but uh, yeah. but you know, we stuck it out through and and here we are, you know. So That's it. Um but let's get into it. There's there's been some questions about the offense. Um Look, yeah, I'll I'll reserve judgment until until after I hear from you. I just I'm a little skeptical about what people are, you know, everyone's you know, hitting the panic button already about the offense. I don't know if I feel that strongly about it, but I want your opinion on on where you think the offense is and, and what you've seen, you know, from the offensive weapons, of course, Mac Jones included, but also the other offensive weapons, and if if you have any cause if you think there's any cause for concern with what you've seen so far.
1: Uh, Well, in terms of saying that there's a big cause for concern, I'd probably say pump the brakes on that a little bit, folks. I don't think you necessarily have to be in panic mode just yet. Look, the New England Patriots offense is going to be a work in progress. You don't lose a mind like Josh McDaniels, an offensive coordinator here for a number of years and not expect some hiccups and not expect some changes. Uh, There's going to be that. And you're seeing it, especially with the incorporation of more of a zone read type offense. Uh, I want to give a lot of credit to Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald, who really identified a lot of what the Patriots doing is being very similar to what we see in a McVeigh style offense, a Sean McVeigh style with the Los Angeles Rams. We've heard a lot of that Shanahan style thrown around, Shanahanian, as a matter of fact, or Shanahanan or however you want to, uh, you know, uh, label it. Uh, they are incorporating more run style into the New England Patriots, and you know. If you're worried about whether or not the Patriots have the personnel to pull it off, I think that might be a valid uh, you know, question. I think there's still some more to see to determine how effective it can be. But in terms of the Patriots streamlining the offense and Mac Jones looking a little bit more uh, you know, comfortable this year as opposed to last year, I've seen positive enough strides to know that there's more reason for optimism than skepticism when it comes to the Patriots offense.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And, and you know, Dark Blue Gold says it right here, too. You know, the panic mode is on pause until the performance of the Miami game, which, absolutely, you know, Good and point. of course, Miami, you know, and, I, and I'll throw a caveat on that even because they have that's a house of horrors for them. Right. So, oh, yeah, even if absolutely. they don't play well in Miami and even if they don't play well the first few weeks, I think that it will take some time. Right. And hmm. people throw a Matty P under the bus right now. It's like, wait a second like they're not, even they're not, he's not calling a game right now. They're just running plays. True. Right. And, you know, and Mac Jones even said it the other day where maybe it was even yesterday where he said, you know, we're just running plays to get him on film. We're not checking out of plays. I'm not, you know, even if it's not the right play for the defense, we're still running it. Right. And so it's just kind of one of those things where we need to get it so that we can see it and we can fix it. Right. And so that's part of it for me where it's like, okay, let's just everyone just bring it down a little bit because you see on some of these one-on-ones, you see what Devontae Parker can do. You see what Kendrick Bourne has done and what he continues to do. And I I just, Bourne's energy just, I I don't know how you can't love that guy seeing the way he plays and and the way he fires up his teammates, you know? And then Taequann Thornton, I've been impressed with him just with his, with his catching ability, the way he catches the ball. He does a very nice job catching the ball. He had that one over the shoulder, Willie Mays type catch, which was fantastic. I thought, Mm -hmm. um, and so, again, those are one-on-ones, and it's obviously a little bit different. But, you know, to me, there have been some positive things. The defense is always going to be a little bit ahead of the offense. I think we're okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not on the fire Matty P train just just yet. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll get it to week nine, and, and they're still struggling, and Matty P's calling a bad game. Okay, all right, maybe maybe we'll, we'll start inching closer to that button. But uh, I'm certainly not there yet, you know.
1: So. Yeah, and I I agree with you, Pat. I don't think there's a reason to be there yet. And look, Bill Belichick touched on this this morning, where you know he was asked about the incorporation of zone reads. What makes a successful zone read offense? And I think Bill was very cautious to let everyone know that because of their emphasis on zone runs and zone, you know, uh, um, opportunities that they're incorporating right now doesn't mean that they're not going to run gap plays and they're not going right. to you know, resort back to some of the things that we know and love about the New England Patriots offense. They're going to run a lot of that. They haven't done it yet, but they're still getting their feet wet. I think the fact that they took the pads off on Wednesday, really kind of showing themselves, all right, well, you know what? We've got two padded practices in. This is what we've done well. This is what we have to work on. Wednesday, I think, was more of a get right type day. I'm going to be interested to see what the rest of the week has to offer. And then, of course, the in-stadium practice at the end of the week, that's going to be telltale as well. So Patriots still have a lot to go, a lot to do, but there have been some offensive players that have really popped with this offense. You mentioned Parker. You mentioned Thornton. I've been very impressed with him as a rookie. And, of course, how could you not love Kendrick Bourne? Really the energy, I think, in the room uh, that just everyone feeds off of. And you love seeing players like that, especially in camp.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I just feel like this team has fun. I really do. I think that they They really genuinely like each other. And I know it's the NFL. It's not, it's not high school football. Right. But I think that that makes a difference. I really do think Mm -hmm. that that makes a difference when a team really enjoys being around each other and really likes each other. I think that can certainly pay positive dividends. You know, when you talk about just the culture in a locker room and things like that. So, um, but there's one guy in particular I want to focus on on the offense. And, and that guy is a guy who people wanted a lot from and expected a lot from last year and got almost nothing. Uh, and someone who I expect to have a much better year than he had last year because of oh my God, if he doesn't, but that's O'Smith. Smith. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've been, in, I've been a little bit impressed, but what I've seen from him, he looks more fluid. He looks like he's understanding what he's doing. He's catching the ball. Well, which he kind of does all the time anyways, but I've been impressed with what I've seen from him from camp. Do you think that he takes a leap this year and has, and is way more involved in the offense than he was last year? And and what have you seen from him in camp so far?
1: Yeah, I think John was definitely on to something in, in terms of finally getting it and meaning that, his understanding of the offense his ability to run the routes his ability to hit the scene in the hole where he needs to when he's running the jet sweep we haven't seen that much of that in camp so far but in terms of him being a more prototypical move tight end that threat in the red zone that everybody thought that he was going to be when they signed him from tennessee you're seeing a lot more of that he's on the same page as mac jones he's on the same page as hunter henry as well and don't forget pat last year Everyone expected that two tight end monster to return. Everybody thought, oh, these are going to be the days of Gronk and Hernandez or, you know, even Gronk and, and uh, Martellus Bennett bringing back that two headed tight end uh, set that the Patriots love to run. The 12 man personnel, you only saw 18.6 percent of the time last year in terms of snaps. So I think you're going to see more of that. Jono and Hunter look to be a little bit more on the same page this year. And also, I want to give a shout-out to Devin Asiasi, who the last couple of days has looked very good in camp. He's getting the concept as well. If you can add a third tight end into the mix, take some pressure off of those guys, it's only going to give them all the more motivation, all the more opportunity to be effective where it needs to be. But John, who does look more comfortable. You're starting to see the jump ball become a part of his arsenal again. And if he starts making those catches, it's going to make him very dangerous in the red zone. Pair him with Hunter Henry, and that all of a sudden looks like the tight-ended tandem that we really wanted to see from New England last year. I think you're going to see a lot more of it this year.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the the two tight ends, they were like one of the lowest in the league running it percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a shock to everyone. And you mentioned the red zone. You get you know what Parker can do in the red zone, and you've seen it. You know what Hunter Henry can do because you saw it all year last year who finished with 10 touchdowns. And so now if you add John into the mix as well, now you're looking at saying we have three legitimate targets that can get open and can make plays in traffic in the red zone. That's huge. That's huge for a team. Never mind giving the ball to Damian Harris, who scored 15 touchdowns himself last year. So right. you know that that really makes them a formidable red zone team if they're able to do that. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to Jonah Smith and we'll see what happens. Right. But, but I'm looking forward to Jonah Smith. And one of guy on the offensive side is, is Nelson Aguilar who, you know, struggled a little bit earlier in camp. I feel like he has improved. Bill Belichick had some very nice things to say about him today. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a question of, will he be here because Taequann right. Thornton's right behind him and he's started playing well and it looks like Thornton can play. Might need a little bit more meat on his bones, right? But but is he going to take that Nelson Aguilar sport, spot? Is the uh, is the question that people have? Do you see Aguilar having a role on this team, or do you think they try to move him before the season starts?
1: Well, I think he does have a place on this team, but I said the same thing about Sony Michelle last year, and then all of a sudden camp starts chugging along, and Sony all of a sudden is on the outside looking in, and he's in Los Angeles, so. If the Patriots feel that it's in their best interest to move Nelson and they find someone that's willing to take it on and it makes sense financially and it makes sense schematically, then the Patriots will make that move. They're not going to be shy about it or just ignore it. I don't think it happens, though. I think he's making enough strides and enough of a connection Mm -hmm. with Mac Jones to make himself an important part of this team this year. And look, give a lot of credit to Nelson. He had a tough year last last year. Didn't quite live up to expectation had a good first game caught mac jones first touchdown pass so you think Mm -hmm. right away this guy's off to a hell of a start here in new england he's going to be doing big things but you know there was some injury concerns and whatnot and he slowed his production and unfortunately nelson just wasn't the same player in the second half of the year but he participated in all of the off-season workout programs was present for minicamp ota every time mac jones held a throwing session one of those informal throwing sessions nelson was right there and he was up front and close and personal And that, I think, makes a huge deal. So in terms of him making the leap or in terms of him having the attitude to make that leap, I really think that he's done strides. So I want to give him a lot of credit there. Uh, The athleticism, we're seeing it a lot. Uh, I thought Tuesday was a solid day from him. Uh, Really, you know, connected with Mac on a couple of really impressive catches. But a 40-yard deep ball that Mac threw yesterday and, you know, just really went up and got it in coverage. Uh, comes down, makes an amazing acrobatic one-handed catcher with Juwan Williams, which we're still talking about. And they will talk about that as one of the catches so far of training camp. Uh, when you can use that type of athleticism, plus your veteran savvy, you make yourself very valuable on a team. So either he's showcasing himself for a hell of a run somewhere else, or the Patriots realize what they have. I really think it's the latter rather than the former, but we'll see. Anything can happen in New England.
0: Yeah. I think the other part of it, too, is that, you know, you mentioned Sonny Michelle, who's was a great example to bring up. They got significant compensation back from him. They got, what, a third? They got a third mm-hmm. this year, right? And a, is right. it a fourth or a fifth next year? So they have, they got significant, pretty significant compensation back from Sonny Michelle. So, you know, it's not like they gave him away. And and Nelson Agu could be the same thing. If some other nice. team wants him and is willing to give you a decent pick, yeah, maybe you move him. But at the end of the day, you're not going to save much cap space by trading them right. or cutting them. Certainly not cutting them. You're going to save almost nothing. So there's it's silly mm-hmm. to cut them, you know, and injuries happen in the NFL, right? Devontae Absolutely. Parker has been injured almost every single year of his career, right? Aguilar right. gets injured. You got Tyquan Thornton who weighs 140 pounds, you know, like <laughs> so. So you worry about some of this stuff. So you say, well, what's one extra guy? And if he can play. Well then why would we give him away for nothing? Maybe he won't be a big part of the offense, right. but maybe a guy gets hurt and he will be, right? So it doesn't I don't think it makes sense to move him unless you you you're able to get something significant back in return, Sim, similar to what they did with Sony Michelle. Now listen, if you want to bury him in the depth chart because you think Tyquan is better than him, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But he's there in case something happens. That that's that's the way I look at it, right? Is that you say, "Hey, look, he's here." He's doing and I agree with you, like I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. He started off slowly. He had, you know, he made a few mental mistakes, dropped a few passes, but he has looked significantly better as time has gone on, in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's no reason to 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 jettison him out of here yet. You know, he's not like he can't play. Right. So that's yeah, that's kind of my thing, you know, so we'll see.
1: Absolutely. And again, you know, it's not a Nikhil Harry situation here where Nikhil had essentially worn his welcome out. Uh, We'll see what happens in Chicago. There've been moments where, you know, they say he's playing with a chip on his shoulder and, you know, the Bears have a good first round talent. And then there've been moments where there've been drops or miscues and those have been amplified as well. With Nelson, it's a little bit different. He hasn't worn out his welcome here by any stretch of the imagination, maybe a little bit of a tough year last year, but it's not the same type of deal. So, the Patriots are going to have to be very impressed with the offer they get for him, if they get one, yeah. in order to move him. Uh, again, I don't see it happening, but like I said, anything and anything is possible.
0: here. Well, not to dump on Nikhil Harry, but, you know, the, basically with just exactly the thing that you said, where Aguilar was at all of the things, was at all the OTAs, is coming in, you know, and, great, and Nikhil, when they wanted him, he was, you know, taking a knee up behind, you know, behind the cones and, and sitting out of drills because he wasn't in shape. And so it's like you don't have that concern with Nelson Aguilar. So, right. yeah, he's not a perfect receiver. Did they overpay for him? Yeah, maybe. But, like, mm. that doesn't mean he can't help the team out still, right? right. So I, I agree with you on that one. So, and Dark Blue Gold's bringing something up that uh, – what the hell is going on up there? Dark, Dark Blue Gold is bringing something up uh, that I was going to bring up anyways about our linebackers, right? So reports are suggesting that the guys actually look pretty good. Maybe Bill knows a thing or two, right? So um <laughs> I'm a little worried about Josh Usche still. I, he just like I don't he, he's in and out. I don't know. I don't know. But Mac Wilson I think looks really good. Brings a ton of competitiveness and really just brings the wood when he comes downhill. Uh, and I've been I've been pretty impressed with Raekwon McMillan as well. Cam Agroan, we'll see, right? So, but what have you seen from the linebackers? Have you been impressed with, with what you've seen? And and who are the guys that have stuck out to you so uh, uh, as much? I would say.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with Doug. I think that uh, in a lot of ways, the linebackers have looked good as a collective unit. I've been very impressed with what I've seen. You mentioned Raekwon McMillan, maybe one of the more impressive guys out there always given 110% always in the right position uh he's been very good in terms of being able to stand up and be able to uh to you know to block against the run and also uh, getting into pass protection a little bit and you're seeing that now more with the pads on Matt Judon I thought had a very good day today uh was credited with a sack even though there were no pads it was a simulated sack I wrote about today in sports illustrated but he had one he's looking a little bit more comfortable you mentioned Mac Wilson, and I love the energy this kid brings. I think a change of scenery is exactly what he needed. Uh, that ability to play, at, at, you know, to play side to side and get sideline to sideline is something that he didn't get a chance to do all that much of in Cleveland, save for his rookie year. I think he gets the right. chance to do it this year, and I think he does it well. So those guys have been good. Want to give a shout out to the rookie Ronnie Perkins. He's been very quiet for the first few days, but really popped the last couple of days with the pads on, showing his versatility and his athleticism. So a lot to like with the Patriots linebackers right now. Maybe not that huge name that everybody was talking about to be added to Matt Judon, but I think the interior and that defensive line is going to be a little bit better, especially at the edge. And I think that's going to help a lot of these guys. So um, again, Doug, yeah, I agree with you. I like what I've seen from the linebackers this year. A lot of promise there. Uh,
0: I, I Ronnie Bergen the guy you mentioned who I'm, I'm high on him. I was high on him when they drafted him course, sat out all year last year, you know, healthy scratch for the majority of the season and just could never really get in. But, you know, 2020, he's the only, you know, the only edge player in college football. And again, PFF, like some people like it, some people don't, but the only edge player in college football that was over a 90 against the run in the past, right? Mm-hmm. The guy can play, the guy can play. And so, and like you said, you know, the pads come on and all of a sudden, you' seen Ronnie Perkins make some plays, right? And so, um, you know, is that a guarantee? To me he's going to be starting day one. I don't know, but I think he can. I really do think he can help out. And you know, that Mac Wilson trade might turn out to be a really good one for the Patriots because, although I like Chase Winovich and he d- certainly brought some athleticism to the table, he just couldn't do it consistently, yeah. right? And the big issue, and and look, this is this is the thing with the Patriots defense, right? This is where people got pissed. Devon Goddra, why are we giving Goddra so much money? They couldn't stop the run last year, right? Right. And what people seem to forget about this defense is that this defense is not predicated on stopping the run with the defensive line. This defense is predicated on stopping the run with the linebackers because the defensive line makes holes for the linebackers to get through and fill and make those plays. And the guys that they had last year, whether it be Hightower or Van Noy or Collins or even Bentley at times, we a little bit slow. They didn't have the, quite the athleticism that they needed. Right. And that Jonathan Taylor Absolutely. play, that's the play I always come back to. That's the one he was, a, a you know, Hightower was a, a step slow and he gave Taylor the cutback win and Taylor takes it in for a touchdown. And if he had been on time there, he's in that hole. He fills it. He makes the tackle. The Patriots get the ball back and they might even win. Right. And so, that's the type of thing though that we're seeing from mac wilson where he's filling those holes right and so you know i think i think the interior of the defensive line like you said i think it's i think it's pretty solid right i think it's pretty solid mm-hmm. i've been impressed with what i've seen from a few guys um ray from from alabama i'm excited right. about this kid i you know and we'll see right he's you know he's got this long injury history and there but like i'm excited about about what he can bring and of course you have barmore there and godshaw and you got You know, Larry Guy is still there as well. So I think there's a lot of depth there. These linebackers are, to me, are the key to this defense. And and we'll talk about the secondary in a second, but the linebackers are really the key to this defense because they need, they have, they have to stop the run. You can't not be able to stop the run, especially, you know, if you're playing in some of those lighter packages and they weren't able to do that last year. So I really do think the added athleticism but not just the fact that they're athletic, they also can play downhill. And that's what I've thats what i been impressed about the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely, without any question. And you mentioned the linebackers being key, and so many of these guys, and this is one of the positions that I think Bill Belichick is going to have the hardest time cutting down, and it might end up being – that he carries a good amount of linebackers because of the unique skill set that all of these guys bring to the table. We've mentioned Perkins. We've mentioned Uche. Uh Harvey Longy is someone that is a very good big-time com- uh, competitor and someone that can contribute on special teams. Do the Patriots carve out a role for him now that Brandon King is not in the lineup anymore? That's right. something to consider. Uh, another guy that we haven't even mentioned, and I think he's uh, had a very good camp so far, very quietly, is Anthony Jennings and someone that we haven't had a chance to see that much of the last couple of uh, you know years. But underrated combination to me of quickness, change of direction, ability, power, and instinct. And when you can combine all of those into one package, it really makes for an explosive player. Now, is it going to be enough to carve him a role on this team? Well, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be able to uh, uh, to kind of shake that out a little bit. But what I've seen from Jennings right now says that he's going to be right in the mix with guys like Uche and McGrone. This is a good and a deep unit, and I think the Patriots right now have a lot to be excited about uh, for the play that they want out of the linebackers, which, again, slow a little last year, a little too long in the tooth. They needed speed. I think they got it this year. I couldn't agree more.
0: And I'll tell you what, Anthony Jennings, I wanted to make it just so I could try to convince everyone to call him Penny Uh, (laughs) because that's just the perfect nickname. It's right there, right? It's right there for everyone and for anyone that wasn't a kid of the 90s Ah, uh, Penny Hardaway was Anne Fernie Hardaway, Anne Fernie Jennings. Penny, come on, like this is this yep. is great. So Penny Jennings and Penny Jennings just sounds awesome. I mean, that's gotta it does. Be, that's got to be his name, it.
1: Really, you know? yeah, it it really so, does. You, you you picture Zoe saying that on game day and just absolutely loving it, you know?
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, but uh, but anyways, so I want to take it to another position that a lot of people mm-hmm. were very concerned about. You talked about depth, right? And I mm-hmm. think the depth at the cornerback position the Patriots have right now. I've been so impressed with what I've seen from them from top to bottom. And, and Joe Juan Williams, I think, is probably their worst corner. But, like, even he's looked pretty good this camp, mm-hmm. I thought. You know, there's nobody that looks out of place, right? Michael Jackson last year looked out of place. He was like, yep. he, this guy can't play, right? There was nobody like that on this team, right? And, and you're seeing it from everyone. From I've been shocked with how, how competitive Terrence Mitchell is. I, th- I think mm-hmm. he's had a great camp. Jalen Mills has been all over the field making plays. He's had a phenomenal yeah. camp. And then Malcolm Butler is his normal competitive self where he's making big plays and he's in. He's always up there making plays. Mm-hmm. He high-pointed a ball against Devontae Parker in the back of the end zone. I'm like, what the heck's he doing up there with Devontae Parker? And he just <laughs> – that's who he is. That's Butler yeah. is just that ultra-competitive guy. So I've been very impressed with what I've seen. I, I think – I. <laughs> Marcus Jones, the, uh, the athleticism from him is something that I don't know if we have that in anyone not named Jonathan Jones. And even Jonathan Jones has the speed. I don't know if he has quite the change of direction skills that Marcus Jones has. He yeah. has that really next level elite athleticism. And he's another guy, and you see it all over his college tape. He is not afraid to get dirty in the running game. I mean, you know, I'm really excited about him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see if he's in that rotation right away. Uh, what, have, you, have you seen something similar from from the corners? you impressed with what you've seen so far?
1: Yeah, I have been impressed with the cornerback play. And you mentioned Jawan Williams a few weeks ago. I wrote about him as someone that was really, I think, at the end of what the Patriots were hoping to get out of him and maybe had played his last game in Foxborough. And he's impressing, you know, a lot of people. So maybe that means a run somewhere else. Maybe that means a run here. Uh, the Patriots are very deep at that position now. So... Again, not the name that everyone expected to replace J.C. Jackson, but they've got young, solid players that can play the position, and they're going to get solid play this year. You mentioned Malcolm Butler. You mentioned Jalen Mills, the two elder statesmen, really, in that back that defensive backfield, and I think they're both playing extremely well. I've been very impressed from what I've seen with Jalen. He clearly looks like the alpha at the position right now. He's been doing a great job keeping himself in position, really providing blanket coverage. I like what I see out of him. Malcolm Butler, again, you see that fire that's back, that competitive nature, mm-hmm. that competitor that just is so natural in him that we saw years ago here in New England. And you saw it a little bit in Tennessee, and you're seeing it again on the field. So great to see Malcolm back out there. Always, always been one of my favorite guys to cover, one of my favorite guys on that team. And just watching him out there having a lot of fun playing the game of football is really, uh, really heartwarming. Uh, for a lot of people, but um, the rookies are looking good. Uh, they really and truly are. Marcus Jones is starting to really show uh, that ability that he may end up being one of the marquee names in this free age. In this, uh, excuse me, in this draft class this year. Not only his ability to be a real factor in the return game, which I think he's really kind of sewing up that job, to be honest with you, Pat, but also the ability to be effective in the slot, something that a lot of people didn't think he'd get the chance to do this year. I think he may have the chance to do it and really kind of combine with Jonathan Jones to make a very formidable tandem back there. And Jack Jones has been very good on the perimeter as well. Looks like he's still a step away. I think you'll probably see Malcolm. I think you'll see Jalen and maybe Terrence Mitchell uh, take the uh, the majority of the snaps there. But this kid can definitely go into the rotation. Uh, he can hold up in another couple of years. This kid's going to be strong at the, uh, at the perimeter corner position.
0: Yeah, I, I'll tell you what I'm happy to hear you talk glowingly about marcus jones because i will just i fully admit and anyone that listens to my show will will agree i it's impossible for me to be unbiased about marcus jones marcus (laughs) jones was my draft crush he was the guy that i wanted the patriots to draft i did one draft thread on twitter this offseason and it was marcus jones in my in my uh in my mock draft 1.0 before the Super bowl i had them taking him a pick 85 and they took him a pick 85 which is like i just i was over the moon when that when that pick happened but you know so that's that's one of those where i you know i'm happy to hear other people say good things about him because that's all i'm ever going to be able to say about him and i i was saying <laughs> uh him and trey nixon i i'm like in love with trey nixon too i'm conductor of the Trey because i call myself the conductor of the trey nixon hype train um but but you know dark, dark blue gold is mentioning what what year do you think trainings will going in the hall of fame uh but you know but it's they competed, you know, with that, that punt, that, you know, punt catching thing that they did last week, which I thought was so much fun. Uh, You know, him and Marcus Jones competing. And of course, uh, you know, they both, they both, they tied essentially, which I was like, yeah. what could possibly be better than me? My two guys have this competition and they tie. It's great. You know, so, <laughs> but, um, but no, but I, I think, you know, I've been impressed and Mitchell's a guy for me that like, they signed him and I'm like, okay, this guy stinks. Like he just, he's, you know, he's a nobody and he's not, I've been impressed with him. Our, our beat guy, Brian Hines tweeted out uh, a video from, I think it was 2018 when the Browns did uh, the hard knocks and it was him and Jarvis Landry going out in camp. And he just had that scrappiness where he was all over Landry. and He was always giving him crap and, and Landry was like, screw this guy. And I, you know, whatever this and that, and then, you know, play ends and, and uh Mitchell takes him down after the play, and he took exception to it and chucked the ball in his face and big fight starts. And I'm like, that's the type of like that's the type of guy that they want, that they have, and that's what yeah. Malcolm brings to the table, and that's what Jalen Mills brings. Like, they just want those like scrappy guys. And of course, like you said, JC Jackson leaves, Stephon Gilmore leaves. It's like, what are we doing? We <laughs> replaced JC Jackson with friggin' Terrence Mitchell? Like, what what the hell's going on here? But <laughs> you know they're not playing single high safety where they where they're saying okay jc take out you know the number one number one wide receiver brace that's not All happening right. anymore right and i think you've seen that with the safeties i think there's going to be a hell of a lot more zone this year and these guys can play that zone and they can come up and they can play the run and they're physical and they're scrappy and that is the type of thing that i think the defense going to look different i think than it did the last few years but i think i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's actually a pretty good thing
1: Oh, I think it's a good thing as well. And look, the fact that they signed Malcolm Butler to come back kind of tipped the Patriots hand that they're probably going to go more zone. And I agree with you Uh, because Malcolm, I still think, is still one of the best zone corners in the league. And you're seeing guys like Jalen be able to come in and play versatile roles, whether it be in man or whether it be in um, in zone coverage. Mitchell is very versatile. Some of the things that I started to see, I kind of had the same reaction. When the Patriots signed Mitchell, I was like, OK, well, this is probably going to be either a camp body or this is going to be someone that's going to come in, maybe threaten for uh, a um, you know, middle of the road roster spot, someone that can come in, be a veteran, maybe a once, you know, one and done type player here in New England. And that's going to be the, uh, the end of him. But when I started to look at the experience that he had and but very much so, like you said, with Brian tweeting out the, uh, you know, the play and whatnot. This is a guy that played in aggressive man based schemes under Greg Williams. He played in the pattern match zone scheme under Steve Wilkes. And then you look at what he did in Houston under Lovey Smith running that Tampa two style zone defense. He has the chance to be able to fit into any one of those schemes. So when you have a player that versatile, Bill Belichick is going to love you. He's going to love being able to plug you in all over the place and, know that you can play in pretty much any style that he's going to throw at you. So it makes sense that Terrence Mitchell has been in position to be able to make a lot of plays and look good in one-on-one because he just has so much experience playing in so many different styles. So I like that in Terrence and I think it's going to be enough to earn him a roster spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's funny because people looked at the secondary and they said, Oh God, this is going to be a nightmare. And I've been extremely impressed. And you know, even the safeties I mentioned just briefly, but like, The safeties, I've been impressed with what I've seen from them. And Pepper Peppers, of course, just coming off the pup list. So we haven't Uh seen a ton from him on the field. But I have loved what I've seen from him off the field, right? He had a walkie in his hand the whole time when he was on the pup list. He's on there. Him and Damian Harris are going back and forth, talking trash to each other. Like He's involved. He's out Mm -hmm. there. He's part of the team. And so I was very happy to see that even before he got on the field. You see that veteran leadership from him kind of right away, right? And I was happy to see that. I think he can play. And now you're looking at a guy like Josh Bledsoe and you're like, okay, this kid can play. Now you got five safeties that can, that can legitimately contribute. And mm-hmm. we talk about getting faster and getting more athletic on defense. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Mac Wilson is significantly more athletic than anyone we had at linebacker last year. Right. right. And now you're talking about, okay, we're taking out other linebackers. Not, you know, love Juwan Bentley, love the guy. I, I'm a fan of Juwan Bentley but he's not super athletic, so on those times when you need to stop, Jawan Bentley's coming out, and there's probably a safety that's going in, right? right? And so, you know, these guys that are fast, and can Kyle Duggar can move, but he also was one of the hardest-hitting safeties in the league as well, so he, you know, he can play the run. Jerome Pepper says, no problem playing the run. I mean, my goodness, that man looks like he's chiseled out of the rock, for goodness sake, right? So it's like, <laughs> you know, they got no problem playing the run, but they bring that athleticism and speed that we didn't have last year when you know you couldn't force the bills to punt for two games outside of a a tornado you know you, you can't force the bills to punt so you need that speed and you got it everywhere over the field
1: absolutely yeah you do and you know you mentioned the safeties and the versatility in that group is phenomenal I mean Taking aside from the fact that you still have one of the best free safeties out there in Devin McCourty, who is the elder statesman in that defense, but he's still the most respected guy in that defense. Everybody is listening when he talks. Everybody He knows where everybody should be on that field, and the guy can still get it done, and you're seeing him. He's getting some veteran rest occasionally, but when he's out there, he is directing traffic, and he's still playing at a very high level. Um, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips have a chance to be a, a real two-headed monster at the hybrid, uh, more so Adrian, who can really, like, Take that hybrid linebacker role, yeah. come up, play that, and uh, really be that star-type safety position uh, that I think he's done such a great job of. One of the reasons why I fell in love with him when I was uh, covering the Charges a few years ago, and I always thought he'd make a prototypical Patriot. When the Patriots brought him in, I pegged that right from the very beginning, and I said, this guy is going to endear himself to New England, and the fans are going to love him. Bill Belichick is going to love him, and he's going to be one of those guys that just really makes that defense click, and he's done that, and he has been that. Um, You mentioned Peppers. I'm impressed by the engagement that I'm seeing from him. You know we're going to see it on the field. It's just a matter of time of him getting healthy and being able to get out there, Uh, but in the meantime, Joshua Bledsoe is making some noise back there as well. Second-year guy out of Missouri. Um, Not a lot of hype around him heading into training camp but boy i'll tell you when you look at what this kid can do either in the d-gap or in the slot uh the big nickel heavy defensive scheme featuring man-to-man coverage uh this could be a very hard cut for the new england patriots he's making it very difficult for the patriots brass to overlook him or kind of treat him as maybe an also ran that's going to be able to be snuck Onto the practice squad, he's making a name for himself, and, and uh, you know I'm I'm all here for it. I think he's looked great so far.
0: Yeah, that's funny because you know you look at some of those guys like Jelani Tavai we mentioned and Josh Bludso, when you're like, okay, well, you got you can't keep everyone. You got to cut some right. guys, right? And yeah. so, you know, now it's like, well, do you take the risk with with uh, I'm I'm gonna get his name wrong, but you know LeBram Ray, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you take the risk with cutting him and trying to get him on the practice squad? Do you take the risk with Jelani Divide trying to get him over to the practice. Would you take the rest with Josh blood So those are the things where it's like, you got to make those hard decisions at some point. And so, and of course we know injuries are going to happen. And so things will change as we get close to the season, but right. it is, you know, there are some tough decisions coming. So mm. speaking of a tough decision, uh, Brian Hoyer, I just, mm. I'll tell you what, man, something just doesn't feel right about Brian Hoyer right now. He, he doesn't, I think, I think, you've seen Bailey Zappi kind of pass him already. I really think that Zappi has looked pretty good the last few days. Brian Hoyer has struggled throughout camp. Then he missed like four straight days and then came back again, you know, today on Wednesday. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know if, if he makes it out of camp to be completely honest with you. I think, I really think the Patriots brought him back here to simply to be a veteran leader in the clubhouse for Mac Jones to be that sounding board that he was for Brady for years right and to and to use him like that and so i wonder if that's not what we're going to see from him right or maybe it was just a fluke and he was just you know who knows and he'll be the backup quarterback all year this year but i don't know man i i just i almost feel like maybe he retires or maybe they end that he ends up on the practice squad um you know and zappi is the backup quarterback i'm not i'm not really sure but it just doesn't seem like he's that guy anymore to me zappi I don't know. I don't know. I, I want your opinion on it, but I, I just wonder if Zappi hasn't already shown more than Brian Hoyer shown this game.
1: Uh, Zappi's been impressive, uh, especially the last couple of days. He struggled a little bit on Saturday oh, yeah. and I definitely wrote about I remember writing about that and, you know, giving my thoughts and writing down my thoughts on my notebook and just saying that even by a rookie standard, it was still a, a struggle uh, for, uh, yeah. for Bailey and looked like he was a little bit overwhelmed Last couple of days in pads, he's looked sharper. He was very good on Wednesday, uh, completing his passes, stepping into his throws a little bit better. He's really showing a lot more poise. And that's something that is so important in a rookie quarterback. And we saw a little bit of that from Mac last year, that swagger, that little bit of extra oomph that a quarterback that's confident in his ability is going to give you. So, I agree with you. I think Bailey happy right now looks like a solid number two, even as a rookie. I think the Patriots would be fine being able to go into the season with him and Mac, obviously, as your starter. But when you look at Brian, it's so difficult to say that the Patriots can just cut him loose and not really feel any type of negativity as a result. He does have the scout team acumen. He does have the veteran leadership. And he's also someone that knows this offense arguably better than anyone else on the team other than Bill Belichick. I mean, without Josh McDaniels there anymore, he's your link to those days. And he's going to be someone that I think Mac is going to really need to lean on uh, in terms of his second year progression with guys like Joe Judge and Matt Patricia running this offense. So I agree with you. If there's something that seems a little bit off, he hasn't been out there the last couple of days. He was there Wednesday, but was limited in his practice uh, uh, capabilities going to be interesting to see how they utilize him throughout the week. If he continues to be limited, then you're going to start to hear rumblings and question marks about his health, about maybe his ability to play the full season. And if you start to hear that all of a sudden the retirement rumors come, uh, you know, uh, running around and, I haven't heard anything yet, so I want to be very cautious and very careful on this. There hasn't right. been anything that I've heard from members of the team, sources or anybody like that, that would indicate that Brian is anything but dedicated to playing a full season. I want to be very clear on that. But if this starts to creep into the next few days and even weeks, then you probably will hear some of that stuff. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Brian. But I agree with you right now. there just doesn't seem something there seems to be like something is off a little bit and um, you know, maybe it's just a fluke, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Now refresh my memory on this and I might be totally wrong. Do they have to cut him to put him on the practice squad or do those rules still exist where they don't necessarily have to cut him and they can just put him on the practice squad? Because I know Uh, he has, they guaranteed a significant amount of his contract. If they could theoretically keep that contract and just say, Hey man, just go to the practice squad. We need you around. We still want you around. We think you're an important part of this organization, but you're not going to play anymore. But we want you around at practice. We want you here to mentor Mac and to help out Bailey as well. You know, so that's important, but you realistically, you're not going to play this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, the veterans last year were able to be cut and they didn't have to go through waivers in order to be cut. They could be cut and then they could just simply go and sign on the practice squad. Uh, the rules have changed a little bit this year where that is not necessarily the case. So Brian may have to go through a period where he would be considered out there on waivers. I don't know who would take a chance on Brian. that or maybe, yeah. you know, take the bait on that considering his, his um, uh his contract, considering his age, you know, considering what he has left in the tank, those are all considerations for teams unless they just put, you know, a spite waiver claim in, you know, against the New England Patriots. But yeah, which true, I yeah. think I think if they were going to release him from his contract, I don't see Brian wanting to play anywhere else. So I don't think he would, you know, either go anywhere voluntarily or even be eager to take on a team that would take him through waivers. If that's going to be the case and he's not going to make the roster this year, then I think you see the Patriots back channel, go back to the the drawing board and say, okay, Brian, well, it's not going to work out on the field this year, but we need you in this locker room. Are you interested in maybe coming on and staying on as a coach, maybe staying on in some capacity there? I think that may be uh, something that the Patriots would consider. But the question is, would Brian consider it? Uh, That's really uh, the million-dollar question at this point. So a lot of those questions will be answered as we progress on. But right now, I'm just looking for him to be out there. I just want to see what he's going to look like once uh, he's back in action and not a limited participant, how the reps are going to be divvied up, uh, and uh, what he looks like in terms of completing those in 11s and 7s.
0: Well, I think, and a big thing for me is that you really need at least three quarterbacks in camp. I mean, it's difficult, especially when they split up and, you know, and, and Zappy's overthrowing to the tight ends against the corners and Max throwing to the wide receivers, that's a lot of throws for them to make, right? right? And they're just making nonstop throws. And it's like, well, we really need a third guy to relieve them just, just to throw the ball, right? So, right. uh, you know, I'm not really sure what, you know, what we'll see, but it's going to be interesting. I I think... He's one of those guys that, like you said, even if he can't play anymore, he's just such an important piece to the team because of what he means to the team. And, and the fact that, you know, Tom Brady, one of the smartest quarterbacks in football leaned on him, right. And would give him half the playbook, right. right. And, and say, or half the game plan and say, Hey, look, man, you know, I just, I need your help on this and, and let's go through it together. So if he's using it, I think that that's great for Mac too. And and of course, you know, in that second year it's, that's really big. So So we'll see. Um, All right. Question for you. What? And I'll let you go. Really kind of last question or two here. What are you what are you looking for the most here now? Obviously, we've seen a decent amount from the last two from the last two weeks. Saw two padded practices. But what are you looking for the most from this team as we lead into the preseason?
1: Uh, I think uh, there's probably two parts to that, offensively and defensively. On the defense, what you want to see is you want to see a progression from the middle part of that defense. You want to see the the interior of the defensive line and the edge rush, I think, really take a step up and be able to not only set the edge, but stop the run. The Patriots have had difficulty the last couple of years, and we thought it was going to be a little bit better last year with guys like Devon Godchow and guys like Henry Anderson coming in didn't work out last year like that. Obviously, Henry was on injured reserve. He's had a very good camp. Uh, I'm very happy to, you know, see him progress into the player that the Patriots signed last year. I was really very high on that signing when the Patriots made it. And one of the very few people over the offseason that actually said that Henry could be a valid contributor this year, several people and a lot of my listeners on Locked On Patriots didn't even remember he was on the roster. Uh, But but Henry is is really coming into his own and playing well. Uh, You mentioned Chow earlier. I think his role is going to be more defined this year. I think the Patriots kept redefining his role as the season went on, moving him around the formation. And you're just not going to be able to get into a rhythm if you're constantly moving around. So a little bit more stability there, I think is going to be big uh, as well for the New England Patriots. But to me, the key is going to be Christian Barmore. He has looked by far, in my opinion, the best defender on the field. Uh, for the Patriots this past uh week, um he's you know blowing up his assignments, and I mean that in a good way uh when it comes to one on one drills uh yesterday, at one point, he had a real showdown with Michael Wayne who I called it the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, and those two guys were really going head on head. It was really something to see. And Barmore was able to use his, athletic, his, excuse me, his athleticism to get around and be able to util, uh, utilize it. But a uh, great uh, opportunity for him there to be able to not only be healthy, but also be a formidable part. And if he's drawing the attention of opposing mm-hmm. offensive line blockers, that's going to free up the edge. That's going to free up the linebackers to be able to get after the quarterback. We saw this last year in Matt Judon. Really pinning his ears back and getting multiple sacks per game when Christian was taking on two blockers. When he was injured and his knee was hurting him, he wasn't drawing that attention anymore. All of a sudden, that extra blocker is put over to Matt Judon, and he's not as effective. His numbers dropped off. So Christian, I think, has a chance to be the X factor in this defense. I think he will be. So I look for that, and I'm looking forward to watching his progression And then on offense, Pat, it probably sounds very basic, but I'm looking forward to Mac Jones and watching his progression, watching him get better, more comfortable in this offense, uh, watching him utilize those zone read types and also utilize some of the gap plays that the Patriots are going to make and also looking to his protection on the offensive line. Are the Patriots offensive linemen going to be able to protect Mac from those second, third-level strategic blitzes that we saw last year from the defensive backfields? Atlanta did it very well. Buffalo did it well. Indy did it well. Uh, That gave Mac some fits last year. And are the linemen going to be able to protect him? And is Mac going to be able to pick it up and realize that maybe areas he thought were blocked well last year are not so blocked? That's the difference between being a good quarterback and an elite level quarterback. I don't know if Mac's going to make that type of jump this year, but I think he's definitely moving in the right direction. So that's what I'm looking for, for the Patriots in the next few weeks.
0: I agree. Love it. Love it. It's a great answer. Uh, All right. Last question This is the loaded one. It's a loaded one, Mike. So get ready with all that tampering stuff that came out with Miami. Okay. Mm -hmm. and We (laughs) heard all about it and everyone's been talking about it. Does that, Does that tarnish at all, and obviously not all of it, but does that tarnish at all Tom Brady's legacy in New England, do you think?
1: You know, it's a tough question. On the field, absolutely not. Nothing is going to tarnish. To me, that does not tarnish in any way, shape, or form anything that the man accomplished here on the field. Uh, Tom Brady's legacy and his ticket to Canton is punched already, and so is his ticket into, uh, you know, the the Pats Hall of Fame and Raytheon. He's got a red jacket and a gold jacket, and there's no question about him earning either one of those. in terms of public opinion um you know i think for the most part patriots fans realize that ultimately this is a business and for whatever reason or whatever conspiracy theory or hype that you want to buy into or simply believe it was was straightforward uh tom was unhappy in his final year here into in 2019. Uh, whether that was because of a strained relationship with Bill Belichick or whether that was because of a lack of control of what he wanted to control, or maybe Brady saw the handwriting on the wall that the Patriots needed to reset and then come back and didn't really want to go through a rebuild. For whatever reason, Tom realized that 2019 was going to be his last year in New England. And I think it's important to remember for everyone that's coming at Tom and saying, Oh, well, he should be accountable for the negotiations it's usually on the team that's reaching out or the team that's involving the tampering to be admonished for it rather than the person that's being reached out to. And and I think that's an important distinction to make here. So in my opinion, and I'm only speaking for myself, uh, it doesn't tarnish him professionally or it doesn't tarnish him personally. I hold Tom Brady in highest regard in both. I will continue to do that and I always will. If you're a fan that's a little bit offended by it, I'm in no position to tell anyone how they should feel. I I can see the argument for those that say that it should, that it may offend them or it may upset them or it may change their opinion. of his. but in terms of the man's legacy, and I mean legacy in terms of where he stands in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks and the pantheon of new England Patriots folklore, I don't think it should matter one bit. I, I still think Tom Brady is the goat in every sense of the word. And, uh, the events of the last couple of days don't
0: change that. Yeah. No, nah, listen, I think, I think you're right about that. And, and look, here's my issue, right? I think it was, it was obvious to everyone that he was, that he was not, he was not happy. Um, uh, Dark Blue Gold, a little shout out to you there, Mike. Like, we <laughs> love, we love having Dark Thank Blue you. Gold in here, but, uh, <laughs> But, you know, I think it was obvious to everyone that he was unhappy, that that he was he was not pleased with, with the way things had gone. Um, and there were times when his body language showed that. And look, as much as I don't like that, the guy was here for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And he is the greatest player to ever play and he gave the Patriots six Super Bowls, which if any other quarterback had been here with Bill Belichick, they would not have six. Now, we can argue about you know how many they would have, and so on. It doesn't matter. I don't care who it is. Put anyone else in there: Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Joe. I don't care. They're not mm. getting six Super Bowls. So, <laughs> you know, I think I think it was a little bit of both for from Belichick and a little bit a little bit from Tom. But you know, it's just the way it is, right? And, mm. and so you can't take away from the legacy, but it does leave kind of that lasting memory of him isn't all rosy. And that's one of those right. issues where it's like, you know, you think about Brady and of course you think about all the great things, but then it gets tarnished a little bit just because you think about yeah. some of those, some of those negative things. And that, that to Absolutely. me is the only spot, you know, where as a fan, you're kind of like, Oh man, like it just ended poorly. And listen, Tom Brady senior mm. said yep. it was going to end poorly years yeah. before it did. Right. And so, yep. you know, and look, are the Patriots at fault for that. Absolutely right, and that's the thing is that the you know you can't just say oh Brady's have fall over. No, 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 no. It it's it's on both sides, right? The Patriots right. could have done more to keep him here, and and Brady could have done more himself to to want to show that he wanted to stay here, and and even if he didn't, to do more in twenty nineteen. And to not have the season end the way it ended, right. right? Losing to the Texans at the end of that year. You lost to Miami, who was a terrible team at the end of that year, to lose out on a bye. And then, mm-hmm. of course, losing the first round of the playoffs. And so that's one of those ones where you look at it and say, man, if they had won that last game against Miami, they get a first-round bye, and then who knows? They probably yep. still don't go anywhere, but you never know, right? And so yeah. that's the stuff for me where that gets frustrating when you start looking around and saying, man, like yeah. we we had a shot here and, uh, and didn't get it. But, you know, as you said, it's just like, yeah, okay, fine. Then maybe there's some small little thing there, but like, it's Tom freaking Brady. Like, it just yeah. is what it is, you know. Like, absolutely. At the end of the day, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make his his tenure here perfect. Um, but you know, some flaws. What are you gonna do? You know. Mm-hmm.
1: So, understand. So, anyways. No,
0: so Mike, thank you so much for coming through, man. We really appreciate it. I love having you, uh, love having you on the show. Love talking to you. We really respect, uh, what you do over there and, and you thank do a you. great job. And of course took the reins from our guy, Mark Schofield over at the Locked On <laughs> uh, podcast. And it, for those of you that i mean, listen, if you listen to my show, I assume you'll listen to the Locked On Patriots podcast, but if you're not, you need to be, cause Mike does a great job over there. And, uh, and thank we, you. we really appreciate you, um uh, you coming over here, but before I let you go, just just show yourself out a little bit, let people know where they can see you and read you and hear you and everything else.
1: Well, thank you very much, Pat. It's always my honor and a privilege to join you, and I always have a blast talking Pats football with you and look forward to doing it again. Um, you can find me each and every day on the Locked on Patriots podcast, proud part of that network, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And smash that subscribe button on YouTube as well uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, and you can find my written work uh, and all my camp coverage. And we're going to have roster projections coming and a lot of good stuff coming at uh, Patriots Country of Sports Illustrated, si.com slash Patriots. So definitely check that out as well. And uh, you can always find me interacting with that and all the great people over at the Pulp that you guys are a true uh you know blessing to me uh, and i always appreciate the support that i get from each and every one of you guys whether it be burned or whether it be sco whether it be yourself or brian everybody uh from the uh, the public has been so great to me uh and i do appreciate all of your support as well so thanks for having me on tonight
0: absolutely my friend anytime we'll have to do it again soon and uh and you know look at it's i mean i know the summer's over but it's football season so at least <laughs> we got that going for us right
1: that's absolutely so. yep <laughs>
0: All right, guys. Have a great night, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.